Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 48, The Lion King Movie Review. Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton, as always. You can reach us on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBrien. PopGoesYourWorld.com is the website for all of our contact information. Yancey, how are you? I am uh, I'm a little exhausted, to be honest with you. We were talking off air just about you know my crazy retail schedule. I allude to it every single week. It's no surprise for you guys. And I know you guys don't really care about hearing it. It's not particularly interesting. But uh, back to school season is upon us. Uh, here locally, the school starts for elementary, middle, and high school uh, tomorrow. So it's just been an absolute zoo in the store that I work in. And you know, really long hours, crazy hours, up early, up late, that type of thing. Um, but it's nice to kind of set aside a little bit of time and uh, you know just talk about something like The Lion King, basically, which was uh, kind of a, I, I didn't have a show or I didn't have a movie prepared for the movie review. I actually thought that it, uh, it was your turn to pick a movie. And uh, it you kind of put me on the spot, but I actually really like the, you know, the selection that I, I ended up coming up with just because I haven't really done any animated movies. And, you know, this is, quote unquote, a kid's movie, but it's a complete departure from every movie that I've reviewed in the past. So I'm kind of interested to see your take on it. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to lie, Chris. If you don't like this movie, I'm going to be so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to see, won't we? Just before we get into the movie, I just wanted to touch base because you were saying about, you know, your work schedule and how, you know, mm-hmm. you, nobody cares about your work schedule or whatever like this. But no, we do care. And just a funny thing, uh, we were just talking off air as well. So, so as you know, I'm, I teach at a college, right? This is what I do, you know, in my spare time when yep. I'm not podcasting. My father-in-law says to me the other day, he's like, hey, how you enjoying your summer off? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, summer off? He's like, you're a teacher. I said, I teach at college. I'm not a, I'm not an elementary school teacher. I don't get the <laughs> summer off. Like, I'm busier this summer than the rest of the year combined. So, I feel your pain, Yancey. You know, work gets gets us all, but I love my job, so I'm very, very lucky that way. But uh, you know what else I love doing is I love getting together with you uh, at night and doing this show. So what do you say we get right into this one? I say let's do it. Let's go. Oh, yes. I just thought it was like a new movie that came out with you oh, a couple man, years oh, ago. Man. So, oh, <laughs> man. For those of you who are like dental enthusiasts. Back in 1978. It sucks. Getting a little bit too frisky with Molly Ringwald. I am a textbook nerd. There's tons of beautiful people in the world. You co-host with one. Do you see what I got to put up with every week? Okay, Yancy. So obviously you mentioned last week, we were, this week we're going to watch uh, The Lion King. And we're going to talk about, this is an interesting one because to me, it's kind of on the cusp. You know, it's not really a millennial film per se. Mm-hmm. And it's not a Gen X film because it came out in 94. So it's kind of on the cusp of both. I think it's an interesting one. So do you want to get us started? Maybe explain a little bit about why you chose this one. You mentioned you were kind of put on the spot. So this one came to mind. So this is obviously uh, a movie that means a lot to you or is at the forefront of your mind. So uh, why don't you take us away by uh, telling us a little bit about why you chose this movie for us to do and kind of uh, what what you hope to get out of it by talking and hope to get out of me. In this. Okay, so like you said, it, it is a weird selection, and it's it's it is a huge departure from any of the other films that I've ever you know chosen to review. But um, I mean, if I ever at any point in my life, as a child, as like a teenager in my early twenties, now you know I'm 28 years old. If you've ever had to ask me during that period of time to list my top 20 favorite movies of all time, 
the Lion King has always been in there. It's it's moved in position. It may have moved up or may have moved you know moved down. There were times when I watched it a lot more when I was younger than I do now. But uh, I've I've still always come back to it, and I've always thought of it in such a high light as you know just one of the best animated films and just one of the best films I've seen ever. I think from top to bottom, obviously the animation is second to none this was a film that that led you know the quote-unquote disney renaissance where um you know everything at disney all of a sudden was like coming up roses because of this film and it, and it led them to push into being like this huge huge animated feature you know powerhouse they kind of had this lull for a while during the 80s where they just weren't really gaining any traction like this a lot of their you know their big you know franchises that they were hoping to uh, start up basically we're just fledgling nothing ever really caught traction and i mean the lion king it's just one of those things where i can remember being young watching this you know being six and seven years old whenever i first saw this and this was the first very real time that i had to tackle death actual death in a movie it was the first time where like i actually looked at myself and i had to challenge you know it, it talks a lot about of identity and 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 you know, your purpose in life and basically, you know, realizing who you are supposed to be. And, you know, like I said, I was six and seven years old and there was all those things, those different themes that came up in the movie. So it's, it's a kid's movie that is beautiful and well casted, um, you know, the songs, the animation, everything like that, top to bottom. But there's also a lot more going on underneath, under the surface that I just think makes it such a, a fantastic film. That's why adults love it too. So, um, I guess I can kick it back to you. What are your kind of general arching you know, thoughts of that? And please, 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 please tell me that you actually enjoy this film. I will. I'm going to come back to that in one second. I just want to circle okay. back to something that you mentioned, you, which, I, which just got me thinking here, and I'm just kind of going off on a tangent. You were saying that this was one of this was the first time that you ever had to deal with death in a movie, right? That I re, that I that I yeah. explicitly remember, remember having yeah. to like reconcile that inside my head. Yeah, because you would have been what seven when this movie came out, something like that. Yep, six or seven. Yeah, so that's perfect. Um, and anyway, so it just got me thinking. I just went off on a tangent. Um, so I think the baby boomers, okay, had the the same thing. They 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 were able to deal with death through an animated film, and that was Bambi. Okay, and mm-hmm. it's a very shocking scene at the beginning of the movie, right? No spoilers. Bambi's mother gets shot by a hunter. It's okay? horrific. Yeah, that is that and, is horrific. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's something the baby. I'm trying to think of Gen X though, and nothing's coming top of mind in terms of an animated film. Um, maybe other than heavy metal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, where uh, there was an animated film where uh, us Gen Xers had to deal with, with death. And I'm sure there, just nothing comes to mind. So somebody send me a tweet on that mm-hmm. one. Okay. Anyway, so back to your point uh, or your question, whether did I like this movie? This movie was fantastic. And the thing was going into this and I, I made this clear last week when you, when you threw this at me, um, I'd never seen the Lion King, believe it or not. And I think because again, it falls into that area where you and I have talked about on the podcast before. There's kind of like an area of time that's not quite Gen X and not quite millennial, usually in the 90s. Remember, we used to get a lot of guff when we first started doing this podcast because people were like, you're not talking about the 90s enough. And I go, because it that's kind of right between us. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where this fell for me because I was like 24 when it came out. So I was, you know, I was too, I wasn't young enough to watch an animated film, you know what I mean? But I wasn't old enough to like really have kids to watch an animated film. So the movie just kind of slipped by under the radar. And for me, I'd always heard about it. I was very f- familiar with it, but I never, ever had a chance to watch it. Watch it. So um, I'm glad that you threw this movie at me. I got a chance to finally watch it and see what it was all about. And it was fantastic. I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a great story. Um, I thought it was well animated. Um, I thought the songs were, were great. Um, I, I liked everything about it. The the only the only knock that I will say, mm-hmm. and this is really really minor, and I don't know if maybe you just think I'm crazy or not, but watching it, I felt 
like it could have been a little bit more grand. Hard for how can I explain this? Like maybe the animation. I mean, I love hand drawn animation. We're gonna get into that tonight. Trust me. But to me, I felt like it needed to be a little bit bigger. Maybe I need to watch it like on widescreen or something like that to really appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. or maybe I've seen it in the you know on the big screen. I always stress how important it is to watch movies on the big screen. Um, but I felt like it could have been a bit. It almost felt like maybe because I was watching it on on the TV screen, like it felt like I was watching a, a TV show at times, and it didn't come across with that grand sort of epic feeling that I thought I would have getting mm-hmm. into it but even just the, the way it was put together the cold opening with the the, the circle of life and then boom the, the title and then at, at the end they circle back when they, they bring the little baby up you know it's gone full to the next generation boom the Lion King title again it ends really really well done really great themes like you say the, the death the, uh, uh, scene the the vocal talent that was used in it phenomenal um, I thought it was really really good so so good on you that was a good one and my kids liked it too so so there you go they want to watch it again already, daddy can we watch a Lion King again they've already probably said that to me three times in the last three days I, I, honestly I think it's one of the best animated films of all time I mean you and I we've talked about Toy Story before um, we're both particularly fond of that this I mean this is a little bit Toy Story 3 film. Toy Story 3 I'm, Toy Story 3 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh like for me, I remember watching this film and we had it on VHS. It came out in 95 on, you know, like the straight to home VHS, you know, box little set thing. And my mom bought it. My mom was always really big on the Disney movies. And, um, you know, she's she's replaced all of her VHS tapes with the DVDs as they come out. And it's kind of a weird choice, uh, business decision wise from Disney, because they always vault their movies where you can't always just buy, you know, the Lion King or you can't buy the Little Mermaid. They have really like short truncated uh, seasons where you can actually buy them and then they go back into the vault for years and then they come back out so i remember there was a, a while there where uh, my mom didn't have the lion king because she didn't have a working vhs tape and you know it wasn't out on dvd yet and then you know i remember working years ago in electronics and people would come up to me all the time asking do you guys sell lion king do you guys sell lion king and there was just this this lull where people couldn't buy it and i think now um it's actually slated to to come back on dvd i think even as soon as like this year like for the christmas season and they're actually doing a live action rendition of this which i think disney's doing with a lot of their old animated classics they're making like the uh you know the live action like they just did with uh, sleeping beauty um i hope that it reintroduces like this whole new generation of kids to the lion king and it becomes kind of like a thing again um you know there was there were sequels to this film that um i've only watched once or twice they're honestly very forgettable and we've talked about this before in the past chris where you know whenever you take a film that's super successful and you try to make it into a trilogy or to make it into like a serialized type of thing um oftentimes it just feels like a money grab and that there's a lot of that kind of going on in the you know the the second and third installments of this but um this first one is just absolutely magical and you know, I'm glad that you liked it. I I'm curious. Do you have like a particular particular character or a particular theme or something about this individually that you could just like speak to that really stood out to you as far as like you know what what did you really really get out of it? Okay, so well, like I, like I said before, I thought the, I thought some of the themes in it, you know, about how the, really it's all about the circle of life. That's what mm-hmm. that's what the movie's about, and 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 it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, an, an animal in the animal kingdom or a human being. The the circle of life is what it's all about, and it's just so it's, it resonates, you know, unbelievably well. And so that that's why a movie like this could be very very popular and was very very popular right across the world. It's not there's no parochialness to this movie. You know what I mean? It's not it's just popular in North America. Like everywhere around the world can relate to the, these themes. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that got me though were some of the voice work in it, and 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 this is where I want to have a conversation because. I think, at least for the most part, 
and then we'll talk this out and see if I'm right or not. But I think for the most part, in millennial um, movies, especially animated films, in millennial animated films, it seems like there's a propensity to use existing, well-known, established actors. You doing the voices, okay? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't always the case. Just so you know, Yancey, um, for a long time, like when I was growing up, you know, 70s, 80s. Back in my day. Back in my day. Back in the golden <laughs> era. Let me tell you, young man. Back in those days, um, that, would, that, that didn't happen. That was very, actually, that was kind of rare. Um, and so when you went to see, like, an animated film, you know, there wouldn't be any well-known actors doing the voices. There were professional voice actors that would do mm-hmm. it. Excellent excellent voice actors you didn't know who they were because they were good at doing different voices or they just had an excellent voice for the part so it wasn't until and maybe i'm wrong i haven't done any research on this because it just came to my mind but i wonder if this to me it seems like this is one of the first animated films to come along that used well-known actors in the voice work Mm-hmm. And I don't know, do you know, like, because you got to admit, like, a millennial uh, animated films, you, you know, Yancey, use well-known actors all the time. Almost exclusively. Yeah, yeah. like, all the time. And, and to me, that's kind of always bothered me a little bit, because I'm like, you know what, all they're doing is they're sticking well-known people in, like, like Cars, for example. You know, what was it? Uh, it's Owen Wilson, right? Where the or hell? Larry the Cable Guy. Where, where the hell are you getting these? Now, Larry the Cable Guy is a little different. His voice is perfect for Mater, okay? But, like, why the hell are you using Owen Wilson? Like, give me a break. You, like, this is, for me, I think it's almost like taking away work from really, really talented voice actors who otherwise wouldn't get work because, you know, they don't look like a movie star. You know what I mean? Like, they're, 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 their skill is their voice. And it's like they're, they're taking away jobs from these people in a way. You know, that sounds kind of bad. But, uh, you know, they're, they're taking our jobs. But, uh, but the thing is, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've always sort of thought that. And I thought a lot of these movies that I watched, like, I remember there was one a couple of years ago. Oh, it was like a Shark Tale or something like that. Some stupid movie, right? And it was mm-hmm. all just like, let's cram as many well-known actors' voices. Let's get Jack Black and Will Smith and Renee Zellweger and all these. Like, and the movie is stupid. It's like they spent mm-hmm. all their money on getting these actors in there. No money left to, to actually write a decent script or animate anything that was entertaining. So... I think it's, it almost seems like they're banking just on the celebrity yes. and like the built-in audience that comes with having celebrities voice those. I those agree. Parts. I agree. Whereas this is like I think one of the first ones that I can remember that 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 brought these people in. That being said, they were all fantastic, and that's one of the things that stood out to me. That's a long-winded way of me of me answering your question of what stood out. Some of the voice work, um, anything that he does, James Earl, Earl Jones is phenomenal in. He's just you know unbelievable. So he's great. But the one that got me was Jeremy Irons, and he was Scar. Ah, yes. Wow, his performance was phenomenal just phenomenal and I read somewhere that they liked his performance when he was giving it you know when they were recording it they were like wow this is so good that they went and changed the animation in the film to make Scar look more like Jeremy Irons really yeah just he I he stood out to me so Scar's performance I thought was fantastic so that was one thing that really stood out to me as well as the uh, the, the, the thematics that were going on especially the circle of life Okay, I um I, I like that you mentioned James Earl Jones, and you know he is so iconic just as a voice actor, and you know everybody immediately thinks of Darth Vader, and with good reason. And I'm not trying to say that this this role that he played is any more iconic or in you know like the the 
the cultural zeitgeist more than the Lion King, but I think this is up there on like the Mount Rushmore of James Earl Jones like vocal performances. I only wish that he were in the movie more, but whenever he is, like whenever he he revisits his son, like in the clouds, basically as like a ghost or like a spirit, you know, to kind of like push him towards doing the right thing. Like that is one of the most like powerful, like beautiful scenes I've ever seen in any movie, animated or not. So I mean, James Earl Jones is fantastic. I don't know if you noticed this, but Zazu, the little you know bird guy, that's Rowan Atkinson. You know, that's Mr. Bean, yes, which I thought is yes. like one of the best. Um, I mean, who else is in there? Matthew Broderick is Simba. I thought he was fantastic in that. And I, I totally agree with your point that you're talking about. Where I thought, you know, I thought it was funny. Do- Sorry. Sorry to jump. I thought Nathan Lane too, and I love the fact that it was Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick working together, who then obviously went on to work on the producers and things like that. Yep. But working in animation so different, they never even met. They met once, like passing in the hall, working on. The oh, movie. really? Other than that, they didn't. They, you know, they never spent time together, right? They, there was no need yep. to. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg was in it too, and oh yeah, uh, even Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's so good. I think they tried to get Tommy Chong to play uh, one of the parts, and he was unavailable. You know, well, but, but anyway, but such is no. life. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but, you were you were talking about like like you know actual vocal actors and stuff. Jim Cummings, I'm not super familiar with him, but I was digging into his IMDb page, and he actually um, he he seems like one of those people where he just almost does exclusively voiceover work. Like he's done a ton of animated films. Oh, and, yeah, like he's done Shrek so like, and stuff like that. Aladdin hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So like he's like your your actual like atypical you know voice yes, person. But yes. but I totally agree with the point that you were making at large as far as like these all, all these movies now. Like I wish they were actually just like you know professionals doing real voiceover work um but for this particular film i think they actually kind of nailed it on almost every single part i mean like you you mentioned Whoopi goldberg even she was like really really good and she just played like like a dorky hyena you know what i mean i just thought all the casting choices were 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 really really strong like jonathan taylor thomas just like as a kid you know what i mean like whenever he was younger as a young simba i mean all the parts are so incredibly like perfect i don't know can you remember a, a specific scene i know you only saw it once and you're watching with your with your son so it's kind of hard to remember like a particular quote but is there any line of dialogue that you, you can kind of like hold on to that you you want to share with us because um, i definitely have I'll, I'll probably throw that back to you i don't think there was dialogue to me um I, I like when things go full circle it comes back from my days when i used to do improv and when i did improv one of the the major things that i would always strive toward doing a scene or anything i would do was was i've got to have some sort of circular closure it's i always thought it was very gratifying for an audience to come mm-hmm. full circle and to come back to where we started I, that was always something i was sort of strove toward and so I think for me that's always been a, a theme that's always in, in my mind whenever I watch movies TV shows anything like that or act and um, and so for me I guess the, the final scene the final scene when they bring up his baby and hold it forward and it's just full circle and goes back to the mm-hmm. title th- I thought that was one of the strongest scenes so, but I'll throw it back to you. You've probably got lots of, you know, lines of dialogue and things like I that, mean, that you loved. Yeah, I have a lot, but um, one that always stuck with me, and it actually it kind of changed my worldview a lot. And I know this sounds incredibly, incredibly corny, but I mean every bit of this. But uh, there's a scene where at the, you know, the very beginning of the movie where Mufasa is showing Simba, like, all of the lands, all of these pride lands. And he's, he's basically saying everything that you see here everything works together in this this really delicate balance and he's talking to him whenever you become king you need to understand that there's this balance and you have to have respect for all creatures and he says from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope and of course simba asks him but that you know don't we eat antelope and he basically talks about yeah but 
you know, we eat the antelope and we die, our bodies become the grass and in turn the antelope eat the grass. And he just talks about how we're all connected and it's this circle of life. Like you mentioned, everything coming back full circle. So like it was really weird to me because like I used to associate an animal like a lion as as purely a predator. You know what I mean? And he is, you know, by default, he is the bad guy. And then, you know, if he eats the antelope, then they are the good guys and they're victims in all of this. But it, that was the first time that I really thought that like, you know, everything is incredibly harmonious when it comes to life like that. And it like I'm I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, Chris, but I'm you know, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. Um, but I also don't like needlessly kill things just to kill them. You know, what I mean, like I'm the type of person where if there's a spider inside, I will, you know, cup it and I'll take it outside and just let it exist somewhere. I don't think it's a crime just to be like a living organism and you just happen to be out of place and hence you should die. You know what I mean? And I honestly, like I said, this sounds super cheesy, but I got that worldview from watching the lion king and that's like stuck with me my entire life my wife thinks it's super weird i mean spiders kill them but um that's like the one probably the main theme that i pulled from lion king as a six seven year old kid and it still sticks with me now do you like watching south park i don't think i've ever asked you this question before as a total you know 180 here do you mm-hmm. like watching south park I do like watching South Park. I've probably only seen maybe 15 episodes, but I, I've enjoyed the heck out of we it. We have to talk. We have to do a, an episode of South Park sometime on this podcast. Okay. I love South Park. But I remember there was an episode of South Park with uh, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, and uh, he was there with his son. And his son's like, oh, you know, we're just, we're insignificant because we're just poo. And he's like, oh, no, son. And he takes him up to the mountain and he, it's a recreation of the Lion King and he oh, show God. and he shows him how no how there's the, there's the circle of poo and he's like singing this whole say the poo of the antelope the poo of the giraffe and I just I remember laughing because when I had seen that episode with the poo of the antelope um, the circle of poo I was it's called like I, I had not seen the Lion King yet obviously so when I now I watched the Lion King afterward and I just laugh anyway it's that's a new life total, yeah total, total aside <laughs> but it's just funny that you like that scene um, I have a question for you I want to sure. talk about something in regard to this movie well, I want to know what your thoughts are on different types of animation and here's why I'm going to bring it up because basically these days everything is computer generated right And but you were kind mm-hmm. of born on the cusp because you had movies like this one, The Lion King, when you were a kid. So you, there's a bit of exposure for you to the good stuff from the golden era, like I was saying earlier. Um, so you grew up with both, right? So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on hand-drawn animation like this versus computer animation? Um, man, that's, that's really tough. I haven't, I haven't really thought about that. I'll say this. Now, it almost seems like uh, animated movies, they're almost they're like a commodity. And every single... Um, you know, theater or, or, or developed company, they, they push them out all the time just because it's it's cheap and you can reuse animation now and you can just put out sequels and, and pump these things out. And a lot of the animated movies that come out today, they are still popular, but they don't have any magic in them whatsoever. Even a company like Pixar, like a lot of people feel like Pixar's kind of lost its way the last six or seven years. Um, it, I don't understand why I feel this way, but thinking about movies that I used to absolutely love whenever I was a kid, like Aladdin and The Lion King and, uh, you know, The Little Mermaid even, I, I love those actual animated movies. I They just felt so much more magical because I knew that they were animated. I knew that they were a cartoon. I think whenever you get these animated movies where they try so hard to, like, almost be super hyper-realistic, like Finding Nemo or you know, uh, Frozen or Zootopia or whatever, um, it, it, it misses something. And I I can't really, like, 
pin down exactly what I'm trying to say, but those movies kind of just by default because they all kind of look the same. There's not really a uh, a redeemable quality to them. There's not something that makes me, you know, the the vision of the Lion King starting off with the leafcutter ants, and then you hear like this song, like you know, as the sun comes up and you see all these animal and stuff gathered, like that's so iconic and like that that animation is literally burned into my brain forever whereas with most animated movies that come out today it's they, they just seem really cookie cutter and kind of forgettable you know what i mean well, I, well that's because i think uh, you know is because the people that are animating it they have a certain style they draw a certain way they you know they make things look a certain way if you look at like somebody like don bluth you know he had a certain style that was like mm-hmm. totally there the secret of nim and he did all dogs go to heaven he did the dragon's lair video game and that tv show too like he had a real style of his own and it was you're right it's totally noticeable whereas on the computer you don't quite get that style i'll, I'll, I'll let me let me shine some light on this my kids as you know i got two kids i got two boys eight and four years old and i'll tell you what they like the hand-drawn stuff way better than anything that's computer generated. Now, for me, Yancey, you know, you might know this about me. I don't know. I tend to like nostalgia. I know it's crazy. It's hard to believe, mm-hmm. but it's true. Uh, but, you know, I so what I do is I, I get my kids to watch a lot of old stuff, right? I, I've got I've had them watch old cartoon shows like Spider-Man and his amazing friends and some, some of the 70s gems like Speed Buggy and Hong Kong Fooey and Inch High Private Eye. Anyway, that's another whole show. All the way up to movies. Oh, what the, the other day, a little while ago, we watched a movie called The Rescuers. It's like from the late 70s. They loved it. My kids loved it. All this hand-drawn stuff they love. Recently, we went to see Cars 3. We were talking about that on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and the movie sucked. Cars 2 sucked, too. And mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, all CG animation, you know, is, is no good. And I don't know if, if you're going to, you know, I think you might kind of agree with me. Like, it's just that older hand-drawn stuff is way, way better. It almost seems more human. You know what I mean? Like you can actually see personality and like you said, like different styles and, and you know, decisions come out because people had to do that stuff by hand, you know? Like that's there's there's no intermediary as far as like machinery goes or, you know, computer aided in anything. It's just people. And by the way, The Rescuers is a fantastic film that I've watched like 50 times. So. Oh man, my kids loved it. I saw it in a movie theater when I was like, I don't know, seven years old or six years old or something like that. My uncle took me to see it. Same uncle that took me to see Star Wars. Oh, he's like my favorite uncle. And I was like, uncle. Yeah, well, he's awesome. He's great. I was in his wedding party. Anyway, another story. But uh, so we've, we've remained close all these years. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that movie. I thought it was great. And I was like, um, one day we we're like, I don't know, it was like a rainy day. And or maybe it was a snow day. I know you don't know those things exist, Yancey, but up here in Canada we actually have snow days in the wintertime. You can't get out of the house. You can't go to school. School's closed, there's too much snow. So we're like What is oh, this snow you speak yeah, of? What is, this, what is this ice? <laughs> it's in my drink, for heaven's sakes. Uh it's all over the ground up here in the winter. But uh what happened was I think it was we were having a snow day and we're like, we're home, like, what are we gonna watch? Oh, let's watch a movie. So we put on the rescuers and the kids loved it. They were just mesmerized by it. They just sat there, just like wide-eyed and just loved the whole thing. What about, again, another uh, tangent here that I'm going to go on for a sec, but I think it's worthwhile talking about because it's really, we're talking about animation. What about claymation? Do you know anything about claymation? You ever watch any claymation? Uh, I've like the stop motion stuff, yeah, like Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, like when I was a kid, there was all kinds of claymation, stop motion TV shows, like like Gumby. That's before my time, but stuff like 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 Rudolph, like you mentioned, or the Little Drummer Boy, or that oh that Santa Claus is coming to town. Remember that one? God, that one was awful. 
I, I, I like Rudolph. I think I like Rudolph not not because of the movie itself, but just because my mom has always been like the biggest like fan of Christmas as a whole of over right. any Me person too. I've ever met. Me too. I and love Christmas. We just always used to watch Rudolph. My mom loved it. It was kind of like a yearly tradition. It still is. Like you know, it's harder for all of us adult kids and all of our you know you know our offspring and stuff to get together and watch it. But I don't know that that's that's a movie that every time I think of it just kind of ties me to my mom and I, I just like thinking of that. I do like claymation as a whole. I mean, there's been like some comedies and stuff that have come out the last few years, like adult movies that were claymation that were pretty good. Um, I don't know if you're a big Radiohead Radiohead fan either, Chris. But on their last album, they released a music video for "Burn the Witch," which was like their you know like main song off that album, and it's all claymation too, which was actually pretty cool. But um, that kind of seems like a lost art. Like you said, it must have been a lot bigger back in the day. You don't really see that type of a uh, that type of you know production going on. I know it's very very tedious and like super time consuming, but I mean it's cool. Yeah, and I, like I just like like you said, I think with all the computer generated stuff at people's hands with the software that they have, they just really rather do that. You know, it's easier to do or whatever. But um, yeah, I just the only reason I bring up claymation because it's like hand drawn. It's just kind of gone the way of the dinosaur, and it's too bad because it had a, its own style. There was the, again another thing. There was this when I was a, a kid. There was just one show on TV. It was called Davy and Goliath. You have to go and like Google this stuff. Okay, Yancey? I've seen this. Davy and Goliath. It was like this claymation show. You've seen it before, right? Yes. My grandmother, I think, had like a box set of this or something. Oh yes, I've seen goodness. this goodness. It's, it's this boy named Davy, obviously, and his dog, Goliath. And it was really, really religious. And like the dog would be like his conscience. And like, 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 like Davy would go to like the shoplift something. And the dog would be like, but Davy. God wouldn't like it if you did that, Davy. God, what would God think, Davy? And then he would like, oh yeah, I, I can't steal the thing, right? And I remember some guys went and spoofed it. They did a show called Moral Oral. It came out in 2005, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network. Um, so if you check out Moral Oral, it's like a spoof of Davy and Goliath. But but anyway, just neither here nor there. Claymation, hand drawn stuff. You know, all circling back to The Lion King. I just think it was better. And again, I harp on this every week that, you know, it's the old stuff that was good. But I, I, I just think it was better. It was just better. Animation was better when it's done. When there's some art, artistry that goes into it. I'm not saying that CG stuff isn't artistic. Right. But there's just, it's lacking, like you said, there's a certain human element. The fact that somebody put a pencil to a piece of paper and started to draw and then brought it all to life and there's so much work goes into it you know like there's just something about it that makes it ma- and, to, and when you're watching a movie like The Lion King to think someone drew all this like it's just incredible like it's like mm-hmm. it's like just moving art like it's just phenomenal I don't know I think it's really good I think I'm I'm normally a little reticent to to kind of like enlist the, the the idea that oh well something was way better in, in your period like i'm i'm a little hesitant to, to ever jump on that boat but oh, come I, over to the dark side yes, with you yes. uh, with you on this one i think i'll agree like the old school animation man there was just i, I use this word a lot just because uh, i'm poor at using adjectives to describe my point but there really was a lot of magic in those anim- those old style animation like you said even the claymation stuff i mean you want to talk about burning an image in your mind forever uh i mean new new cgi stuff are we gonna really sorry cool, are we gonna are we gonna talk about phoebe kate in the red bikini again like we did last week about burning an image in your mind oh my 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 <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> what does one say after that <laughs> yeah yeah you can't anyway so no, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> I liked it because Danielle was on it she's like even my jaw dropped in that scene <laughs> yep. that was the best. sorry anyway go ahead no that basically wraps up my point just um, I, I'm willing to to 
toss it to you basically saying that I, I do agree that animation from from those days the hand-drawn animation like i acquiesced to the, to the fact that that was better than than most of what we see as far as you know the last 15 to 20 years of animation I'll tell I, I don't even think it's close i agree i'll tell you what though we'll do an episode sometime we'll list our favorite animated movies of all time that would be a good show but for now i have a question for you though okay. the lion king is it your favorite animated film of all time Mm, favorite animated film I'd, I'd have to go back and look um I, I if it's my favorite child animated film i think it's like a 1a and 1b between uh the lion king and aladdin like mm-hmm. i was big on aladdin for multiple multiple years almost like i was too old to like aladdin as much as i did um and i as an adult with you know after robin williams passed away i kind of like went back into that that whole phase of like watching like all his old movies and stuff like i watched flubber like the day after he died which one of his worst movies but even still like he was magical and it, I, I love aladdin a lot um if i had to say an animated like kids movie i think it would be number one for me all time very good and it's just just another tangent there if you if you like robin williams i do y- you got to go back and watch a movie it was from like 1982 and it's called the world according to garp 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 g-a-r-p write it down the world according to Garp. Just trust me. Maybe I'll okay. get you. Maybe I'll get you to watch that sometime for for an upcoming show. Let's just stick a pin in that one and we'll come back to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Deal. Okay. And, the, and right now, though, it, it's time to have some fun with Yancey. Okay. Some trivia time. You ready? You ready to go here? Let's do it. All right. You like the Lion King. You obviously love this movie a lot. So I've got some questions to throw at you, young man, to see how much you know. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you mentioned him, right? Mm -hmm. He voiced, obviously, the main character, one of the, you know, of Simba when he was young, right? Um, Correct. But at the time that he did this movie, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was was quite well known because he was, he did, um, he had a role on the popular sitcom Home Improvement, right? So Yancey, when he was on Home Improvement, can you name Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character's name from that show? Hmm. Oh wow, man! I used to watch this show a lot. And even I, when I, was I off know the air, that you it was did. Like syndicated. I know. Uh, you watch. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember his name? His last name was. I Taylor. can't. I can't. Randy Taylor. Randy, Randy. Taylor was the name. Okay. 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 The Lion King. They obviously had a trailer for this movie when it came out, and when the trailer came out, the trailer was made up entirely of one whole scene. That was the trailer, Yancey. Can you name the scene that was used for the trailer? Mm. I mean, was it the opening scene? Yes, it was. I'll give that to you. It was, was the opening it? scene. Okay. It, was, it was a circle of life. The whole scene was the trailer. Very, very kind of unique, you know? Mm. Um, okay, so we kind of touched on this tonight, but like like most successful films, Yancey, The Lion King, of course, spawned some sequels, all right? And the first one came out in 2004. Do you know the title of the first sequel that came out? Uh, was it Simba's Pride or was it? No, I'm sorry. It was The Lion King One and a Half. Oh God, are yeah. you serious? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, James Earl Jones. You mentioned <laughs> <laughs> James Earl Jones, who we've mentioned. Uh, he was the voice of Mufasa, obviously, and Madge Sinclair voiced Sarabi. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. They actually played an African king and queen together in another film. It was a 1988 comedy. Can you name the film in which they played an African king and queen together? Uh, yes, I can. Um, I know you know this, Yancy. Isn't this an Eddie Murphy movie? It's an Eddie Murphy movie. You're so oh close. My God. I have seen it. I'm literally blanking on the name. Coming to America? Yay! Yes. Yes, I was just going to sing, start singing the opening song. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> the 1994 Academy Awards. For that, The Lion King was nominated for three 
of the five best song uh, nominations. But mm-hmm. which song, Yancey, did it take home the gold for? It was uh, Elton John's The uh, uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, right? That's correct. Yes, Bonus points if you could name the other two songs from the movie that were nominated for best song. Um, Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata is one, and the hint is the poo of the antelope. <laughs> Chris, I don't know, man. The circle of life, dude. The circle of life. Oh, that's the name of the song. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called the circle of life. You know, you don't know. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, it's good. You got it. Uh, okay. So in 1994, when it came out, the Lion King. It was it was the Lion King, Yancy, but it was not the king of the box office. You see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, so that year, it actually it finished in second place in terms of domestic gross, but can you name the movie that took home more money at the box office in 1994 than The Lion King? I can. I actually went to a the old school drive-in theater. My parents took all four of us kids. It was uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, geez, no, Jurassic Park came out in 93. It was Forrest Gump. No. Yeah, I thought you were going to give me this crap. Oh, I was only seven at the time. Wait, are I, you sure? Are you sure? Because The Lion King grossed like almost a billion dollars. Yeah, well, for, I'm talking domestic boss. I said domestic gross, and Forrest Gump was ahead of it. Forrest Gump made more money. He made $329 million versus $312. So just domestic box office, Forrest Gump. And and doesn't matter anyway because you said Jurassic Park, and that was a year too early. Yeah, so I'm wrong anyway, but... Yeah, okay. and like I was going to say, like, like, like I thought you were going to pull the whole... Well, I was seven years old. <laughs> How would I know? Because, you've done that. because here's the thing. I was seven in 1977, and I remember what movie took the highest gross at the box office in 1977. It was an easy one because it was Star Wars, so it doesn't really count. Okay, so, but the one thing is, though, Yancey, was, and you mentioned about the video of Lion King, though, it is the best-selling home video of all time, The Lion King. 55 million copies sold to date. Crazy. Wow. It's also, I don't know if you knew this, but it was the number one selling uh soundtrack of all time it went platinum 10 times so a certified diamond they sold over 10 million soundtracks for just the lion king okay well all this talk of money that it's made and all that kind of stuff kind of segues into this last one for you okay so when it came out the lion king became the highest grossing animated film of all time its worldwide gross was 968 million dollars man that's a lot of money um so it was the highest grossing animated film of all time Mm -hmm. until it was passed by what film, Yancey? It was passed. Mm-hmm. Do you know the movie that passed The Lion King to become the highest grossing animated film of all time? Oh, I know it's a new one. It's like Frozen or Shrek. Um, well, Frozen is the highest grossing animated film of all time from 2013. But back in 2010, there was a movie that came out that made more money than The Lion King to temporarily for three years become the highest. We've already mentioned it once on this podcast. Toy Story? Not Toy Story. In 2010? I can't remember, Chris. Toy Story 3. You were close. Toy Story 3. Okay. Ah, you know. All right. Well, you did pretty good. You love this movie, obviously. You got some of the trivia. Some of it you didn't get. It's all good. I did okay. Yeah, I did got, okay. I Normally, did, I do pretty bad. So. I think you did pretty good, except for Jurassic Park. You know, I'm gonna, I gotta get you that one. Um, so next show. <laughs> next show, Yancey. I got something for you. I think you're gonna like this. Since you love sci-fi so much, you know, uh, you're a sci-fi fan there, young man. I decided to invite our good friend, caveman himself, Derek Myers, to join us on our next podcast. And I thought we would get together and talk about the 1981 science fiction classic Blade Runner. What do you think? 
I think uh, this is another film where if you don't like it, I think it's going to greatly uh, hurt our relationship. <laughs> so, there you, so, so, so it's a Gen <laughs> X film that we got to watch, and it's a science fiction movie that we're going to watch. So you're going to love that. And we're going to bring on a guest who loves this movie to death. I was talking to him about Blade Runner. He's like, I have to come on and do this show. So, okay, no problem. So we're all going to get together next show. We're going to talk about Blade Runner. So let's do that. Until then, um, if you want to reach us on Twitter, at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBride, make sure you go to popgoesyourworld.com for all of our contact information in case you want to send us an email or anything like that. Uh, But until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Yans Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes, or wherever you download and listen to the show. Mm-hmm.